And welcome. My name is Brendan Kelly, and I'm joined in the studio today by Perry Martin. Welcome, Perry. Welcome, Brendan, and welcome, viewers and listeners. Today's conversation is all centered around surviving Christmas. That's called managing Christmas, but in essence, it's surviving Christmas. When people, Christmas is an obviously family orientated time. Some of the risks associated with family orientation is family history. Um, and personality types that exist in families are not always aligned um, as a concept. Uh, two thoughts just spring to mind randomly. One is, is the idea of having four kids. Um, concept being you have one, there's a bit of work. You have two parents, there's a bit of work, but you're okay, you've got a hand each. Um, three, you've got two hands and three kids, you're inundated. Four, the first one can look after the fourth. Yeah, and then they're just uh, the burdens lifted off the parents, and the kids look after themselves. So if you've got four kids, wonderful. Might take a few years to achieve that. Point being, each of those four kids though have a personality. So uh, my mother was talking about the idea of of personality traits, and the first the first kid that gets born adopts the personality of the dominant parent, predominantly. So the dominant parent in the family will be able to see traits in their eldest um, that uh, reflect themselves. So as a, as a kind of a, bit of a mini mirror or a mini me. The second child adopts the personality type of the other parent. Why? Because the dominant one's already taken and, and I'll go for the other one because that personality type and there's a, a correlation between the two. So if the mother is the dominant in the household, you'll find that the the first one will take the personality type of the mother. Or if the father's a dominant or the, the other partner, let's say, being politically correct here, is the um, uh, dominant one, then you have that scenario. The third one who recognises that the personality traits of the, the first one is done, done by the dominant and the second one is done by the, the other party in the relationship, um, the third one goes, well, I can create my own way. They're, they're, I can be as free and whoever I want to be. And the fourth one then adopts the dominant one again because um, the, the, the first one's old enough now that the fourth can start, all, start the process all over again. So within that, though, what you get is conflict. So you get sibling rivalry for the attention of the limited resources being the attention of the parents. Now, um, because of that limited resource and the aggression that can go between siblings over decades, every time Christmas comes around, there is some energy that's dragged from history. 30 years ago, when you were a bastard to me, you did that, and I've never forgiven you for that, and that comes up on Christmas Day. So, Perry, tonight's conversation is all about, well, how do we manage, how do we manage a, an environment at Christmas that does not trigger us? Or if we get triggered, how do we let it go immediately so that we can walk out of whatever circumstance we're in, whatever Christmas event has occurred, into a fulfilled, brand new and lively 2019 without the baggage or the frustration. Don't drink. <laughs> Who can listen to that? <laughs> well, that's a valid point. The I'm, just, I'm, the fuel. I'm, just, I'm just thinking about that scenario. And I've got a few other scenarios, you know, like the, your uncle who, who, who ended up sleeping with your, you know, someone else in the, in the family's wife and they're all there. Oh, <laughs> the baggage show that would be phenomenal. Yeah, the alcohol's flowing, you know, and and the and the and the agreeable member that's hosting is kind of aware of the tension, and they're trying to navigate this uh, Christmas day and hoping the tension doesn't arise, so everyone's a bit stressed because they know the potential for the, <laughs> the <last. laughs> 
So, given, given that you, <coughs> Christmas, we are now, what, uh, 12 December, we are uh, two weeks away uh, from Christmas Day, and now it starts to get intense. There are family functions, some you've already been on, some are still coming, and then there's a big Christmas Day event, the big Christmas lunch or evening meal. The question becomes then, how do you prepare for that and, and Question, do a lot of people prepare for that? I think a lot of people build a level of anxiety. I, I disagree. I think a lot of people build an ang- a lot of anxiety around this is coming. Not only do I have to prepare food or not only do I have to get the presents or not only do I have to bring a cake or not only do I have to you know, insert description here, I also have to be aware of personality type X from person A that is going to trigger me how do I not do it. And there's a level of anxiety that you actually build up in the days leading into the event, knowing it's coming, and then you, you, there's a kind of crescendo. How do we not go down that path again? Oh, I, by the way, I agree with you that we do prepare. When I was nodding my head, I don't think people prepare effectively for it. And you're right, by the way, because this whole period of time, you know, you've got everything organised, social obligations, and, and so there's already... A lot of people are burnt out and, and, you know, already sort of quite stressed when they get to Christmas Day because of what's happened in the lead-up. So my response to to your question, um, to be honest, is probably a stance that I would suggest that you want to take to life itself and to relationships itself. and Christmas Day, you're just going to be more vigilant about using what, I, what I'm suggesting. So if, if we sort of just bring it back a little bit and even take it away from Christmas Day just to start this conversation, you know, all of us, I, I had an interaction with some builders this morning, and in that interaction with builders this morning, there was uh, conflict. There was, there was tension. And it could have gone south quite quickly because we're constantly navigating relationships with other people that have different personality styles to us, have different value systems and ways of behaving. So on a day-to-day basis, conflict is possible. Being triggered by others is possible. Um, Of course, Christmas is a period where that is sort of like got the booster rocket under it because you've got those dynamics you talked about and then throw a whole bunch of alcohol in the mix and people are generally stressed anyway. Um, and, you know, like you can choose your friends but you can't choose your family. Um, so, you know, you're, you're going to places where you know that you might not like or enjoy certain types. So, so what I'm sharing just it would be used at all times from my perspective. So the first one is that when it's a good thing to practice not being triggered. Now, that's an easy thing to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. Don't be triggered. There's your answer. Yeah, Which, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so you go. That, there's your no, it's not, it's not empty at all. <laughs> Don't be triggered. That's right. Don't be triggered. Okay, so then we get into the how. Yeah, into the how. Now, that, and that becomes... Uh, Again, quite easy to explain, harder to do, and this is why I said, like, you should be practicing, in my opinion, these things on a day-to-day basis. So the first thing that I want to say is, before we get into not being triggered, is it's a really good thing to look at all relationships 
from the perspective of their helping me evolve. So when we're triggered by someone else, what you typically see is a pattern behavior that looks like this. Uh, first of all, once you're triggered, it's I'm right, they're wrong. Okay? I'm right, they're wrong. Can you see that, Brendan? Uh, not often. I'm always right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm right, they're wrong. So they've yeah, done something. I'm right. Now, the moment that you feel right, you'll tend to go into righteousness. Yep. Right. Now, watch any argument and someone's playing the role of being right and righteous, and if you're right and righteous to keep that place, to keep that positionality within your personality, you have to really know in your head why that person's wrong. So it puts you in a superior position. This is what happens with arguments and fights. The other person feels that, um, and they're going to they're gonna arc up because they need to be right, and you were the one that was in the wrong. Okay? Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Yeah. The moment that happens, by the way, your the, the the conflict escalates. It goes through the roof. Yep. Because what's happening at that point is two egos uh, are now completely disconnected and see each other as enemies and must keep their positionality. And as I said before, that positionality is kept by constantly making that other person wrong. Now, how do you feel when you're made wrong, Brendan? Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I embrace it. No, I don't. <laughs> no, 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 that's right. I actually, I actually don't manage being made wrong well in a conversation. If yeah. I end up as a vulnerability, I get triggered by that. Yeah, so, so, so you're, that's a normal, natural um, yeah. reaction. So there's two wisdom points there. So the first wisdom point is, you know, if I'm at... Uh, a party and I'm triggered by someone there because of past history, past story, then it's wise for me to know that, look, if I want to get all righteous and right, that is going to escalate that other person that's not going to serve anyone. So that there's already a level of self-responsibility in that choice. Can you see that? Yep. There's a decision. So there's a clarity that a certain preparation, as you, as you might think, that this may happen. If I feel this occur, if I feel that in the conversation I am triggered from a position of somebody else being right, recognise that it is, a, it is a trigger that has been engaged and then you have a choice to choose to go down the path of being right yourself and escalate or not. So there's a certain listening. If you're prepared that this is likely to occur for me um, when I meet this person or... Well, actually, no, that's, you could be setting yourself up for the expectation of that and then just walk into it um, uh, as, as if it doesn't happen or, or create the environment that it would happen. So you've got to be careful around that too, I guess. But, but where I'm coming from, if, if there is a capacity for you to foresee that as an opportunity or a possibility and, and you're aware of it, then you are more attuned to being able to manage it as opposed to walking in being victim of it because you can't see it or don't know it's there. Yeah, you, you have to prepare, and, and, and there's a real practical thing to do. So if that was me, and if I knew that I struggled with that, yeah, uh, meaning that I know this person there does trigger me, and that when I'm triggered, I go into right righteousness that escalates that other person, then before I go um, in preparation, I'd actually be writing down an intent. I'd be writing down, okay, when I go to this party, this is my promise to myself, 
um, because I know what my pattern is and I know what their pattern is. So my promise to myself, and we're going to talk about this in a second because it can be hard. I'll explain why. Um, I, I promise to myself that I will not escalate my being right and righteousness. I, uh, and so there's an intent. I'm more interested in keeping the peace at the party. Does that mean that you are taking on a position of just volunteering being wrong? We'll get to that. Okay. But yes, no, it, it would be... Then, for someone who thinks they're right or wants to be right, and no person wants to think they're wrong, if somebody wants to think they're right, you, you basically what you, you're asking them to swallow their pride um, and, uh, and just... just Suck it up for the greater good. Is that what you're suggesting? Uh, my son, oldest son, isn't listening to this, but I, I wish he was. <laughs> we, we have a joke. And he came to me once and he told me about what he does. And I just, we just laugh. It's just, uh, just a family joke. And I can see why he thinks the way he does because you grow up in our family, you learn about some of these things. But um, he told me that when his mother is smashing him, Right, because he didn't do this or he didn't do that, or he didn't do that good enough. And 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 my wife, she's very straight, Italian background. Bang, 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 bang. He says, "I become nothing. I just become nothing." Now, what he means by that is that's exactly what we're talking about, actually. Yeah. He says, "I just let it wash over me. I'm nothing. Because if I'm something, right? We're getting a bit deep here. I'm philosophical, but he becomes nothing." And in that, he just breathes, observes himself breathing. He just cops it. Now, he walks away from that, not escalating a fight with his mum, which he knows he will lose. She's Italian. Um, uh, and <laughs> she's right. She's an Italian mama, yeah, because uh, she's right. And he knows that if he escalates into defending or righteousness, that, that will escalate her into being her righteousness. So he just becomes nothing. Now, that's a wise move at that point. Right? It's just wise. Uh, anyone that's uh, really good with inter, uh, you know, in, into office politics can learn this, that sometimes it's best just to be nothing and cop it because he keeps his peace of mind and he stops escalating. So in the that... Art there, I mean, the art there, though, is, is it is hard to be nothing. It is hard. You can, you can stand still and absorb or actually that's the point. You don't absorb, you let it wash over. You can stand still and just, as you, in, and words you said were take it, the dilemma about taking it is some of that stuff sticks. I mean, you throw enough crap at a fan, some of it sticks. So um, how, do you, how do you not internalise some of the personally directed conversation at you as being wrong and, and then with that internalisation walk away fuming but quiet and, and pent up frustration to punch something later? How do you... Can we finish the can we finish the answer to the first question? <laughs> Mate, we, we have got to get you to talk quicker. <laughs> you know I like slow and methodical. And you know I want an answer now. <laughs> I know, I know. So uh, oh, this, my uh, anti spam's not working. Anyway, here we go. So I will just draw a bit back into that, right? Because I want to explain. Because there's different scenarios. So sometimes you don't want to be nothing. You need to stand up. <laughs> yeah, great. Go on, throw out the... Throw yeah, the but, but, but we'll just come back to that nothing thing. Because, right, great. Right, if, 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 you, if you're going into the party and you know that 
if you react, then it escalates and it gets ugly. Well, first of all, it, it, it's a wise decision to back away from that escalation. It's actually an act of love for everybody at the party. Can you see that? Yep, agreed. Right. So you can be right, which will, which is an ego thing, which will keep your ego feeling like, look, I'm standing up for myself and, I, and I'm not going to let them get away with this. And, and, and everyone's going to be right. Yeah, get to that one sec. Or it's a loving act and I'm out of my love. I'm going to have self-control. Now I'll take that self-control and, and being nothing because I want to get the full answer. So if you watch, so you go in there, you've made the intent. When that person triggers you, you will feel a reaction in your body, first of all. Is that correct? You're not. Correct. Right. So if, and again, people that are meditators have huge advantage here because they're used to having awareness within their consciousness. As they walk into the party, they get triggered. They feel the triggering in their body. They can look at that and go, oh, mate, look at that. I really want to be right. And I feel the part of them that wants to be right. And so at that point, they're observing, and they can take three or four breaths. If you take three or four breaths and watch your breath, it's a pattern interrupt that disconnects the personality from taking you over. Can you see that? Mm Mm-hmm. And at that point, you might say to yourself, so there's you observing the part that wants to take you over, that wants to be righteous, that wants to be right, that wants to reap justice. And you go, there you go. I remember today I've made a decision not to let it go. And you might have a little bit of a fight with yourself, but that fight's a good thing, right? That fight's better than... It helps you evolve, which is one of your earlier claims. Correct. So now I'm evolving as a human being past this, uh, this, this pattern. Mm-hmm. So I feel now that I've answered that first question. So second question was, sorry, Brendan, I wanted to give a full answer for the viewers and listeners. Oh, you're asking me what the second question was? Yes, I've forgotten forgotten that as well. (laughs) I don't know. Don't you work from a list of questions? (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) Sometimes. Yeah, what what was the second question? Um, so you said, yeah, if you go to the if you go to the party, but sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So how do you not? How do you how, how do you let it wash over you so that you don't internalize it? How do you manage um, the uh, the idea of, of someone throws enough crap at a fan, some of it sticks? How do, how do you how do you hear what is being said to you without internalizing what is being said to you as a personal affront? Um, and then becoming angry about that, but not expressing it. How do you, how do you manage that? So you, while you love for the party and the greater good for all, and you walk away from a scenario that is potentially um, uh, aggressive or confrontational uh, for the greater good, how do you then hold a dignity to self? How do you respect self sufficiently enough that um, you don't, feel it bad around or, 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 or you're not offended or you, you don't bottle up stuff in order to have it create cancerous cells 30 years from now or, or punch somebody out um, uh, next Christmas because it's your turn to be right. You know, how, how do you manage that? Well, it's a really good question. And it, it, again, there's no off the cuff quick answer. Um, so be patient. Um, the, 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 I just, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I'm just going to come back to like a, a, a an underlying 
philosophy. And this does come back to evolving, Brendan. Mm-hmm. So uh, forgiveness is a, a wonderful thing. And forgiveness for self is a wonderful thing and a forgiveness for others is a wonderful thing. So all of us carry around um, elements of shame or, or low self-worth as a result of things that we have done in the past. And we feel embarrassed about them, we feel ashamed about them, we, we think less of ourselves because of those things. And if that is allowed to continue, uh, what happens is you walk around with a quota of shame that you're not even aware of. It just becomes part of a living habit. It becomes an unconscious habit. Now, just, just so we can clarify, can you see, Brendan, that you might look back in the past and think, oh, I could have done that better or if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have hurt that person or blah, 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 blah. Yep, there is stuff in your life that you regret. Yeah, there's stuff in your life that you regret. Now, most people aren't trained in forgiveness. If you were a Buddhist monk, you would be trained in forgiveness for, for you know, years. That's be, be a central practice, and, and, and there are many benefits to that. So what happens, of course, coming back to your question, someone's at a party and they're saying this about you, you're saying that about you. What's happening is it's triggering your shame complex, whether you realise it or not, all the shame you felt in the past. And so all of a sudden you're walking around thinking, oh, maybe I am a scumbag, maybe I am this, maybe I am that, I feel this way. This is what you're sort of talking to, isn't it, Brendan? Yeah, correct. Yeah. It, it, is, it is how do you not react or internalise such that it's an avenue to either beat yourself up or put yourself down or to be affected by a conversation. Correct. So, okay, so come back to what I said. You can see that they're saying that. It actually triggers everything. That, yeah, okay. So if you were a, a Buddhist who had spent a, a long time learning to forgive self, uh, an interesting thing happens. Anything that you did yesterday is because I've got to explain forgiveness. Forgiveness is a doorway to something. Forgiveness is a doorway to self-acceptance or acceptance, unconditional love or love or compassion. So forgiveness is only used when you hate, when you're angry, when you still blame. So can you see that? Forgiveness is required. But once you're truly forgiven, which is what, say, a Buddhist monk trains to do, then there's nothing to be forgiven anymore because everything that happened in the past was perfect and fine for, for, uh, 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 at the time that it happened and you're okay about it. It's totally dropped from your consciousness and you know the only responsibility you have is, is to learn from whatever happened in the past and to be a better person moving forward, right? So, uh, again, I'm using a long answer because, you know, people like these pop psychology uh, responses, but you have to try them. You have to train to uh, get to that point that you just talked about. And, and this is, by the way, this is what happens when you see, you know, some pretty amazing people who get vilified in public on TV and, and all over the newspaper. And you know they're a decent person, but they made a mistake and, and the media's having a field day on them. And you think about them and how they've got to live their life with that stigma. And you see some of them do it with such aplomb because they're okay with who they are because they've forgiven themselves or they know in their heart of hearts that they've done the right thing. So in that sense of self that's come through forgiveness, this come back to your, your uh, answer, you can take that on. You don't like it, but it doesn't whack you 
because you're okay with who you are because of forgiveness and, and accepting what's happened in the past as part of your learning journey and now you're moving on. Do you want me to dig deeper into that or does that give you an answer? Yeah, no, I'm not satisfied. I, I, I don't sure you forgive. Okay, great. Now let me, let, let, let me clarify then the scenario. Two people having a crack at each other, albeit surreptitiously to start with. Um, you have a choice to be, for want of a better word, the bigger person and, and, and have the, the, the uh, humour remain and the, 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 the frivolity remain within the gathering rather than have it be all about this argument and increase the tension in the room. You walk away. But within that, though, there are things said to and or about you that have, that have triggered you and you are recognising that trigger going through the process of calming self, so to speak, um, and then uh, electing to be, for what a, bit, a better word, the bigger person walking away for the greater good. But how do you not let some of that stuff affect you? How do you, how, are you forgiving them? Are you forgiving self? Are you, are you yeah, what yeah, is well, that you well, are walking away from? First of all, I'll give you an immediate practice, right? So there's an immediate practice, and then I'll answer that question because the first one is, when you're when you are getting that that bombardment being bashed and given, you know, this because that, that 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 just I get angry about that. Yeah, I get it, right? But this is I'll come back to the forgiveness thing because it's vitally important. Mm-hmm. And I have to use a Buddhist monk as an example, and you'll get me when I use a Buddhist monk as an example, as a good example because they're trained in something. So in, until you have developed some of the traits of a Buddhist monk. Yep. Um, <laughs> that, that's an example that people understand, okay? So yep. you, Buddhist monk, you can train in these things. We train in these things, okay? So, so um, to breathe, what you'll notice is that you, you're going to start mulling and churning. Okay? Yeah, right. So how do you not go down that path? Yeah, that's where I'm going. So you're mulling and yep. churning. You're mulling and churning. You're mulling and churning. As you mull and churn... What's happening is you're changing the chemistry in your body, by the way. So you'll probably have adrenal spikes, yep. cortisol spikes, which will uh, uh, fire up the amygdala, flight or fight response in the body. Um, you'll find yourself thinking, I should say this to them, or do that to them, or, oh, I or, or you'll feel just like crap, right? All these things reflecting the body. So the longer they last, the more they grab hold of you. So... At this point, if you deepen your breath, because all those things make you a shallow breather, if you start to practice deepening your breath and slowing it down, those emotions and the muddling thoughts will start to decrease and they won't grab you the same and then you'll go, you know, I'm going to go concentrate on what's positive. That won't happen unless you can drop the breath, relax it, you get me. So there's a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In which case then nothing sticks. It, it doesn't matter. It's just words and it doesn't matter. Correct. Um, yeah. And you're not carrying or actually there's the point. You're not making it mean anything. Correct. Because if you attach meaning to something or create an attachment to what's being said to you, then you are making it mean something in your own life, giving it value and credit. Um, and if you don't or, or detach from it, 
then it doesn't carry the weight and it, it, it just gets dismissed as, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, um, and, and you move on. Correct. Now, I've given you a practical solution, like an immediate one, the, the instant one. Can we go back up? Okay. I, I, I'll speak to that a bit more, what you just said. So, well, we only have about five minutes remaining. Yeah, no problem. I can do the Buddhist thing real quick. So what happens <laughs> in that? In that, in that, in that in writing. I can do the Buddhist thing real quick. Real quick. Yeah, yeah, you can send that off to Thailand and see yeah. what they say. Yeah, so, so that deepening of the breath, you'll hear something because I keep communicating. Even earlier on, I said, you know, when you walk into the party, you'll, uh, if you're aware, you'll be observing yourself, keeping your breath, and you'll, as that person triggers you, you'll feel the reaction. So, again, when you can deepen the breath and bring awareness in and slow the entire nervous system down through deepening that breath, you start to develop what we call witnessing state, observing state, where you can see your personality so you can start to have some control over it. So when you when, – when I suggested what I suggested before, which is, you know, you know people are saying things, how do you let it wash over you, deepen your breath – Deepening your breath deactivates the personality, deactivates the uh, ego structure. And so it stops grabbing onto things, the same. This is something that meditators will learn because you're pra- constantly practicing dropping the stories of the mind. So it becomes really easy to do it in these scenarios. Now, the Buddhist thing, really quick. And you can run this through your own mind. Anyone listening can run this through their own mind. You know, our personality and egos on some level love the drama. We love being right. You know, we, we, we're kind of addicted to it. And so, you know, we've got enemies and, you know, that did these things to us in the past. Now, if you really sort of look at that, you know, you might get to the point where you're sick of that. Like, this is no longer serving me. You're always being angry at this person. And, 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 and you know, uh, yeah, this stuff happened in the past. Maybe I did cause some of that in the past and uh, I'm over it, right? And so when you get to that point, you've got a chance to evolve. Now, evolving means that, you know, I'm going to work at forgiving that person for what they did in the past, and I'm going to work really deeply in forgiving them so it becomes an unconscious habit that I've forgiven them. And, of course, egos don't like to forgive because, as I said before, they like to hold on. But in doing that, what happens is is that person no longer can trigger you. And you don't feel angry. They don't annoy you. you, you and... and you reap the benefits of that. Now, once you've reached that point, you don't care what they think or what they say. You, you might not like what they do, but you're just not triggered because you've forgiven them. Okay, does this make sense? Can you see it? Mm-hmm. You, there's, there's nothing to be triggered anymore. I'm okay. That happened in the past. Don't, I don't like them, but they're doing the best they can. I've forgiven them. Okay? This is the Buddhist. <laughs> now, that's a training. Yeah. You're going to train. It's not easy. That's what training. But can you see, if you're truly forgiven, going into the party, it... It doesn't carry weight anyway. That's not right. Yeah, correct. And you're not making it mean anything. Yeah. You've let go of all the meaning that you've created around it. Correct. Uh, as, a, as a summary around um, uh, seeing, I guess want a better word, managing, maybe not, but seeing arguments, um, one, what I found, when people are right their mouth is open and their ears are shut. There's just no listening. And there's, a, there's just a, a constant need to be right. And, um, and everyone has the right to their opinion. And um, it, that, that becomes 
a story for them and doesn't necessarily need to be a story for you. Guys, uh, Perry, I want to thank you very much for joining us again today um, and your insights and wisdom and your pop psychology around Buddhism. Well done. Um, <laughs> that you can do instantaneously. I think that's great. I can do Buddhism real quickly. Uh, and until we met again, enjoy Christmas. Thank you. Have a great Christmas, everyone. <laughs>